Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi, folks. This is Sarah Perry, and welcome back to Haven Space. Today, we are going to be discussing odontophilia. By the end of this podcast, you should know what this fetish is, what it entails, a little bit about history um, surrounding this fetish, kind of where it first came up, how to find it, and how to go about making it happen for yourself with all of the consent, respect, and pleasure that our bodies are worthy of. Odontophilia is a fetish that has to do with teeth, um, just like the name implies. It is related to ideas of actually interacting with teeth, such as biting, um, sometimes licking teeth. Someone can be very turned on by someone licking their teeth, their own teeth, or somebody else's. Uh, And in some very extreme cases, it can even be so far as to fetishize the experience of tooth extractions, which is kind of where the history of this actually comes into play. There is an overlap with adaxalagnia, which is a biting fetish, a fetish of enjoying being bitten or biting other people, which is not only super common, but it is very sold on media today. And I'll touch more on that in a little bit. Um, This fetish also involves the use of dental props. So sometimes Jennings, Whitehead, or Hallam gags, which are utensils and tools that a dentist would use to keep you from being able to bite down and it becomes really sexualized in odontophilia. Now, this isn't really fetishizing the experience of going to the dentist or having a dentist, but more like the actual interaction with teeth and with biting. Some of the first writings we have about this type of thing are from the Marquis de Sade, And as you know, the Marquis de Sade is the reason that we use the term sadism about somebody who likes hurting someone else. And this was all being written around the late 1700s. So consider this is a little bit after Renaissance, but still um, pretty conservative societies that had become kind of lascivious. They were just known for being super hypersexual. Um, as opposed to the ideas that we have about the Renaissance and about purity and religious um, kind of stigma and dogma. But no, that is not, in fact, how people lived. Sex was very much a huge part of society and very much something that was praised and enjoyed the same way someone would enjoy eating copious amounts of food or drinking a ton of booze. Um, But the story that Marquis de Sade writes is about a different person who grabbed a young teen girl, which during this time it wasn't considered inappropriate, but I think he specifically writes about a 14-year-old who then against her will has is assaulted, sexually assaulted, while a person is literally ripping her teeth out and the person doing the ripping of the teeth is actually getting sodomized himself which may sound completely insane to us, but remember that extractions uh, in the late 1700s were all done without any kind of pain medication. The pain medication that we have now, like injectable pain medications, have only been around in the late 1900s. And before then, 
even in the 1800s, people were using inulins like chloroform just to kind of ease the pain. So it's not super crazy to hear that someone was having their teeth extracted without pain meds. It just seems strange to then sexualize the experience. Um, Then a film by director Stroheim called Greed talks about this type of stuff, but it kind of merges the aspect of um, dental extractions with like the blood flowing, and then it becomes a little bit more of a blood fetish because people like to kiss someone whose mouth is bloody and stuff like that. So yes, like always, all fetishes can intermingle with other things. Edgar Allan Poe also famously wrote about this. Um, He wrote a story called Veronese in the early 1800s, and the main character gets um, obsessed with her, his cousin's teeth, and he starts like over-obsessing over them. He can't stop thinking about them. And then at some point in the story, he keeps having these blackouts and finds out that his cousin has died and they're going to actually lay her to rest. And he wakes up and the the guards of the cemetery find um, a person with all of their teeth removed who is still very much alive. And he comes to a puddle of bloody teeth um, inside of a box in front of him. So obviously Edgar Allan Poe is super cryptic and he loves to write stuff that is really edgy like that. But all I'm saying is he specifically talks about this obsession with teeth and eventually ripping them out. Again, it seems that a lot of these fetishes have these moments where you completely over like achieve a a type of climax in your fetish. Uh, We talked about this, um, about when it comes to balloon fetishes and people uh, talking about making the balloons pop. Well, similarly, fetishes that involve teeth also have a climax and the climax is actually getting to hold the teeth in your hands and you would have to extract them for that to happen. And so it makes sense that there's all these parallels in our uh, fetishism because we continue to kind of live through the same experiences of waiting for uh, momentum to build and then achieving climax in many different ways. Now, if you think this is a little crazy, just think of the way our society has talked about vampires. Um, So vampires, we absolutely fetishize vampire teeth and fangs and vampirism and vampire fetishes started with Anne Rice's writings. And um, now there's a slew of vampire shows that are arguably pretty fucking sexual and can be really heavy in kind of hot and heavy scenes with a lot of biting at times, like neck bite bites in the neck have become kind of emblematic for vampire fetishes. But again, we keep coming back to this thing about the teeth biting in the neck fetishes, well, yeah, absolutely. Odaxalagnia becomes then the biting fetish super, super, super related to vampires. But why don't we move a little bit more into what we know about this, what has been studied? Because right now we've just talked about these few people in the 17s and the 1800s who have been writing about this type of stuff, but really what's going on now, right? So Dr. G. Scaroli from the University of Bologna in Italy determined in his study of over 5,000 people who have already identified as fetishists that about 2% of all of those people have some attraction to teeth, mouth, and lips. Of course, this is a little bit different than what we're looking at because 
Odontophilia specifically talks about teeth. But in his study, even though he called it odontophilia, he still felt that mouths and lips were such a part of what people were attracted to that it needed to be a part of the fetish. Um, So, of course, you have to just take it with a grain of salt that people who already identify as having kind of abnormal sexual desires, hashtag fetishes, they tend to be people that think teeth, mouth, and lips are extremely sexy. It makes sense. Now, on FetLife, Odontophilia as a group only has 40 members, but there are groups about vampires and there are groups about um, biting, and the vampire groups have about 15,000 members, even though this is international, and there are 66 different groups on the subject of teeth alone. So whether or not people are calling themselves odontophiles, it seems that they are clearly obsessed with the idea of um, teeth play. Also on FetLife, very interesting, there were some groups that talked about the experience of dentistry as a whole. Some of the groups have over 5,000 members that are asking for dentist-type porn. Um, There are people, because on FetLife you can actually sell your content and post pictures, sexy pictures. There are people that are literally making a career out of different types of pornography play where you would be a patient on the chair, or alternatively, that you would be a dentist. In fact, people had whole threads where they were discussing if we could create different types of dental dams, some of which would allow for blowjobs or other kind of insertion play, and that way be able to merge kind of the idea of dentistry and the fetishism of a dentist and dental procedures with something that is actually usable for people engaging in this during sex. Because as we know, um, dentist equipment is not meant to uh, allow anything to come through. That's kind of the point of a dental dam. Um, A dental fetish group has over a thousand people in it. And when I was looking through it, it's definitely like people looking for either dentists or people that do um, like molds and stuff like that to come to their house and do that type of stuff on them or to teach them how to do it to other people. But let's discuss why people develop this fetish. It seems like a strange thing. We are always looking at people's teeth everywhere we go. So how do we then obsess and fetishize over teeth? Well, it actually makes perfect sense when you start to think about it. Two British universities, Leeds and Central Lancashire, I don't know how to say that, so if I said it terribly, then that's probably because I don't know how to say it. Uh, They did a study finding that their study was like, 10,000 people answered this online survey that showed what was the most attractive quality in someone, physically attractive. And out of all of the people, they found that teeth are basically the human equivalent of a peacock's tail. That's an exact quote from the study. It's a sign of good health and good genetics. Um, We have whole industries for braces and teeth whitening. And in fact, teeth whitening can make you look younger. Straight teeth can make you look younger. A website done by Match.com, of course, um, this is already a study that is nuanced in the direction of like, oh, we know what to sell for people to match other people, Um, said that it was a study of 5,500 women and men. So we're already like in the binary, but found that an average of 66 of them said that the top 
the single most attractive trait in a person was good teeth. It's pretty stupidly simple. Straight white teeth is what people consider to be the single most attractive thing. So while we might not all fetishize it, it seems that a huge percentage of our population is pretty clear on the fact that teeth can be the single most attractive thing when you look for someone. Helen Fisher from Rutgers University helped develop the study at Match.com, and she posted an article, uh, kind of like a concurrent article, that said that, in fact, it makes perfect sense because it is a clear indication of your health and your health habits. It's like how much you drink, if you smoke, if you brush your teeth, if you are eating a bunch of candy and sodas and drinking a bunch of coffee and wine, it is typically reflected in your teeth. Then a study for Invisalign, of course, same caveat as before, I'm saying know where your studies are being funded because obviously they're going to help guide the results. Um, They proved that people perceive people with good smiles and good teeth as being more successful, which is freaking bananas, except for, of course, taking care of teeth does take money. Dentistry takes money. Braces takes money. Teeth whitening and veneers, they all take a lot of money. So yes, maybe you can use it to show that it is more successful, but they also make you be perceived as more smart and as being more desirable. In the study specifically, it said that people who have straight white teeth look like they have more dates. Um, So you're almost setting yourself up by saying, okay, this person's highly desirable, therefore I would like to be with them also. And of course, continuing to date them because you've made a good first impression. Again, Invisalign funds this, so of course they're going to want people to look good because they have straight teeth. So where can you find it? Well, teeth are everywhere. They're in most people's mouths. Um, But of course, like always, make sure you're having a conversation with your partner if this is something that you like. The good thing is that teeth can then become something really sexy that you can play with in the middle of the day. They can become kind of a signal between you and your partner who is being fetishized. But you could absolutely start to develop these little flirtations where the person can, from across the room, lick their teeth or bite down on their lip and show a little bit of the teeth and then make it this nuanced, sexy little dance you do. Super simple, super easy, and really easy to translate into really vanilla sex, right? Like this, it doesn't have to be super edgy. And then you can move a little bit further where you can just actually move your teeth across the person's neck or body, especially where you have any kind of bony protrusions. So like your shoulders, collarbones, playing with teeth in those areas, of course, not biting hard because you're going to hurt yourself and the other person, unless that's what you're into, can be really simple ways to incorporate Um, elements of odontophilia into your sexual practices. I should say that um, to do this safely, please don't remove people's teeth if you are untrained to do so. Uh, We did it for generations and it was working because it was the only solution we had. And nowadays it's very important to clean out those types of wounds and to prevent infection. So it really needs to be done by a professional. If you are a sadist or a masochist and would like to do this with your partner or have it done to you, make sure you're talking to your doctor about ways that you can mitigate the risks. Make sure you're talking to a dentist. 
on ways to mitigate the risks of doing this and, you know, enjoy your life and your sex life, but make sure you have medical advice with you to help you if anything goes wrong. Also remember that human bites, about 30% of them are infected with bacteria. Like literally statistics show 30% of all human bites get infected. So if you're biting someone hard enough to break skin, make sure you're cleaning the wound very well and that you're keeping contact communication with someone who could prescribe antibiotics. Use antibiotic ointment on wounds like that, absolutely. And make sure that you are you know, taking all of the regular precautions that you would if you're breaking skin. Um, Humans actually have some of the dirtiest mouths in the entire animal kingdom. So to recap, we talked about odontophilia today, the fetish of teeth. And we also kind of touched on adaxalagnia, which is the fetish of biting. We talked about vampirism and all of the fetishes surrounding vampires. We talked about the Marquis de Sade and other people like Edgar Allan Poe who wrote about this type of fetish. We talked about several universities that have done studies about this and about commercial sites for both matchmaking and braces, teeth straightening, that really are on a consensus that straight white teeth are apparently super fucking sexy for the vast majority of people. And that's nothing new, but it is crazy to think of it in terms of a fetish. And of course, lastly, I warned you to not take your teeth out by yourself because sometimes we have to do this type of thing when you have a public listening. And we talked about why it is important to keep communication with a medical professional that can help you should anything go wrong with your biting and teeth play. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and I'll check you out next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.